and look, I want to tell you how much I thank you for your, your presence uh, throughout the week. And um, you've been a blessing. The spirit, I feel, of the congregation, not, not bragging on us. I don't mean it that way, Sean, but we've had such a good spirit and good participation. And just thank you so much for your faithfulness in coming and being a part of the revival this week. Um, we're going to join, we're going to have a moment uh, in which you can greet one another, especially if you see somebody who's a visitor or you see somebody that you don't know, go up to them and just tell them you're glad to have them here at the church tonight. Let's stand. Let's do that right now. Did you do that? Did you do that? Is <laughs> is Corey? Corey Wall. Hey, hi out, Corey. Come up here. Come up here. If y'all are visitors here tonight, Corey. Before you start, uh, Corey, I had four hours to prepare today. <laughs> <laughs> this used to be our youth pastor and our associate pastor, Corey Wall. He is uh, serving a church in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina now, and he's advertising. Look at there, North Brook. North Brook. It's on the inside. Is that reversible? Could you put it back on Theresa? Yeah. Could you turn it around? Why are you turning red? We're not trying to embarrass you or anything uh-huh. like that. But <laughs> Helen. <clears throat> Corey, I have truly missed you. Fran, Fran will testify to that. You're where the Lord wants you to be, and that's the most important thing. But... Uh, our friendship has meant you felt like a son to me. I don't know if you noticed that or not. You really did. You felt like a great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been waiting to sing a song to you. I was hoping you'd come back. He texted me a song one morning. And if I knew I would sound that bad singing, I would be on mute all the time. You know what I'm trying to say? What are you talking but about? The song you sent me about, do you miss me now? You remember that? I don't remember that. But <laughs> I think you just called me a liar. But I've got, 
I've got a song for you, brother, and I've just been waiting to see. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. We searched the world over to find the youth minister. You came and we all had a very good time. But suddenly, you left us. And you were gone. <laughs> where, where are you tonight? You're back at Theresa. And we're glad to have you. Would you? Would you now. Would you lead us in prayer? I will. Okay. But first, um, I, 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 when I was, when I was kind of looking to go back to South Carolina, it was important that I found, I learned a lot from Herbert. And so it was important that I found a pastor that I, you know, was, was kind of like him, that was similar. And so, um, I, I did, I think I did pretty good. I have a pastor who's bald, um, <laughs> He's a little more sensitive about it than Herbert is, but that's, that's one down. I've got a pastor who thinks he's funny, and so that's, that's close to Herbert. And then I got a pastor who looks way older than he is, and so that's pretty, that's pretty much like that. Anyways, so, uh, let's pray. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Dear God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to, uh, come to your house tonight. Dear God, we just, uh, Thank you for what you've done this week that I've already heard, dear God, and I just pray that you'll continue that tonight, that you'll uh, give Sean the, the words um, that, that you want him to say, dear God, and that you'll be with all those that are involved in the service, that you'll just show up and show out. And dear God, just help us to be careful uh, to give you all the glory for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin with hymn number 499, and Herbert kind of beat me to this last night, but by golly, we're going to do it again. Victory in Jesus. If you'll please stand.
Thank you, Kirby. Thank you, Fran. Thank you guys for singing. Uh, as we have uh, some moments of prayer tonight, uh, let me just give you some updated information, okay? Uh, please uh, continue to remember Eddie Paul. Eddie had surgery on Tuesday. He's had to go back to urgent care and has been seen by doctors today. So please lift him up in prayer. Katie Reagan came home today. Uh, she did not have surgery. Um, they, they, they haven't done anything yet, but please, please continue to remember her. Uh, Jan Bowes had a scan done and will be getting reports from that soon. Please lift her up in prayer. Joyce Wren uh, will be taking chemotherapy through Sunday and hopefully will come home Sunday night. Ricky Dixon is, was to be moved this afternoon to Rose Manor, which is a nursing center and uh, physical rehab center across from uh, North Duke Mall there in uh, Duke. So please, um, in Durham, so please remember him. Uh, I think I failed to mention last night, Jean Carver, uh, Denise Clark's um, stepmother, has uh, been at Duke Regional this week and has been undergoing some tests, so please lift her up in prayer also. Uh, please remember G.P. Hahn. Now, if you're a visitor, we're, we, we call people by the nickname that they desire to be called. Her name is Virginia, but she desires to be called G.P., but she had to spend the night in Duke on Tuesday night and underwent some tests, so please remember her at home. And also, please remember Willie Clayton. Willie is um, going to have um, a scan done tomorrow and perhaps surgery soon. So please, please lift him up in prayer, too. Again, thank you for allowing us to have this week. Thank you for your faithfulness to it. But most of all, we thank our faithful God who always wants to draw us closer into himself. So let's draw close to him as we pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that as we come into your house, Lord, we never have to worry whether or not you're going to be here because, Lord, you always reveal yourself to people who eagerly seek you. And, God, I pray that even tonight, this last night of the revival services, I pray, Father, that we'll seek you. I thank you, Lord, for Sean and for his faithfulness to you and for his desire to share the word of God with all. And I pray that the same power that you've given him to share will be upon him again tonight. May the Holy Spirit guide his mind, his thoughts, and his words. And, God, give us. Again, hearts that would be eager to hear and respond to the word of God and to the leadership of your spirit. Father, tonight we are mindful that even as we are here, many could not be here because of sickness and, and, and deaths and their family and many other things, Lord, that are going on. So, Father, we pray not only for the ones that we've mentioned by name, but we pray for all on our prayer list, God. And, Father, again, I thank you for Corey. Thank you, Lord, for his friendship and his love for this church. We pray, Father, that you'll continue to bless him as he serves at Northbrook. We pray that you'll continue to bless his life and his ministry, and you'll use him in a powerful, powerful way. Bless again, we pray, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let me quickly say a couple of words of introduction in the event that you haven't been here. This is your first time here. Sean Clark uh, is uh, one of the ministers at Snowbird uh, Outfitters. Our, our youth have been going up there for a number of years. Sean started serving there in the year 2000. Uh, God uh, truly had that place in his plan for Sean's life because not only has he been serving there for 15 years now, but it was there that he met his wife, uh, Bethany, who is not able to be here tonight because of um, one of their children is sick. Uh, God has blessed them in many ways. He's given them five sons, Ty, Gabe, Luke, Levi, and a seven-month-old baby that they adopted, uh, Zeke. Uh, they also, in addition to serving at Snowbird, um, Sean serves as one of the pastor elders at Red Oak Church in Andrews. And Sean, you have certainly been a blessing to us this week, and we're so grateful that God has allowed you to come. And I promise you that we'll continue to lift you and your family up in prayer and your ministries at Snowbird and also at Red Oak. Before he comes to share the word of God, uh, Kirby is going to sing uh, tonight for us also. Uh, if you are a visitor, uh, Kirby came uh, to be our music director uh, in April, um, and she has been a true blessing to us. Uh, she also is the choral teacher. Is that the right um, name? Uh, the choral teacher at Person uh, Senior High. So we are blessed to have her, and, and Kirby, if you'll sing, we'll appreciate it.
going to do that next. <laughs> you know, you didn't have one of those headsets on or a microphone. Did you swallow the <laughs> microphone? I, I ate it before. Okay, I all right. That was cool. Thank you for all that uh, um, shared uh, tonight um, through music. Um, I want to apologize for last. Whoops. Apologize for that. <laughs> apologize for uh, the uh, when I got home last night, Bethany uh, told me uh, I sounded like I was in a hurry to get somewhere last night. Um, I just and I felt it last night. I felt like I was in a uh, just a sprint. And um, for those of you that would like um, the notes and the scripture references I um, referenced last night, um, I can get those to you. Uh, I was eating lunch with Chris Clayton today, and he was like, "Man, I was sitting there taking notes," and he said, "I couldn't keep up with you." And so, um, if you'd like those uh, those references, I can I can get those to you. But um, I have I've, I've really enjoyed being here this week. Um, I'm thankful. Uh, for you all and um thankful for your prayers um, there's a lot of you that um through the years I know you've uh continued to pray over me um, even before Christ I knew you were praying you were praying for me um, and uh one of the things we're going to talk tonight we're going to end up talking about is um just being the church and the body um, and loving on each other and um holding each other up. And, um, that's one of the coolest things I've seen. Um, I, I know there's a lot of cool Sunday school classes here, but through my mom's, uh, Sunday school class and the ladies that have, uh, done life together side by side for years and years and cried together and laughed together. Um, just a cool picture of the church. And, um, so I'm thankful for all you ladies I know that have gone before the Lord, uh, for me many, many times. And, um, and, uh, so I'm thankful for y'all. I'm also, um, I'm thankful that y'all allowed me, um, to speak, um, this week. And, um, like I said, at the beginning of the week, my prayer is that, um, through these truths that we've looked at from the word of God, um, and, that the Lord has shown me through the years, uh, my prayer has been that they would encourage you, challenge you, sharpen you, convict you all as they ha- uh, continue to, to do to me. I'm thankful for y'all. Um, I'm thankful for the gospel. Oh, thank you so much. I won't spill this one. <laughs> I'm thankful for the gospel partnership, as Paul talks about in Philippians. He's, he's thankful for the, uh, partnership and the gospel that he has with the Philippians. And, and so, um, I, I really am. I'm thankful that you all are, are, are seeking to go out and, um, your desire is to, um, make disciples. And I pray that that continues to intensify. I'm thankful for the lives that God, uh, is continually shaping and molding through this body of believers. And I pray that continues to grow. I was telling Herbert the other night, um, one of the coolest things for us when students get on the bus and they, they go back home, um, one of the coolest things is not what they talk about necessarily while they're at camp. 
because anyone can get on an, an emotional high um, and experience the Holy Spirit. But there's another thing to get home and month after month, week after week, continue to pursue the Lord and experience and follow the Holy Spirit. And that's what my prayer is uh, for us this week. As we leave, and for me, I'll be going back home. But what's going to be awesome for me to hear is that people really get serious about their walks with the Lord. Really get serious about studying the Word. Really get serious about going out and speaking to lost people. Speaking to people that are trapped in darkness. And whether that's family or friends or coworkers, I pray that y'all just, y'all go out and get them. Amen. Make disciples. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, I am, I'm, I'm so thankful for, um, what you've done here this week and, um, just how encouraging it's been to be with this group of believers, my brothers and sisters. And Lord, uh, I pray uh, tonight in our final service that you would continue to um, reveal yourself to us. Father, we, we desire to hear from you. We desire to continue to learn from you. Father, we desire um, understanding. We desire wisdom. We desire encouragement. We desire to be challenged, pushed in our faith. Father, we desire to grow. And I pray that you would, um, you would just continue to use this church as a light, as a source of truth in this community. And Father, just be glorified. Be glorified, Father, through the words that are said here tonight. And may you continue to just speak uh, through me, your son, your mouthpiece, Father, your tool. I want, Father, I desire to be an instrument in your hands. And I love you. And I thank you for loving us. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you sent him here to rescue us from ourselves, from our sin from condemnation, Father, from your wrath. Father, he bore our wrath so that we wouldn't have to. And we so easily forget that. And we walk through this life day after day a lot of times and don't even give it a second thought. Shame on us, Father. But I pray tonight that we'd be able to celebrate his resurrection. That we would be able to celebrate walking together hand in hand proclaiming the gospel and letting the gospel do its work in us love you jesus send in your name we pray amen tonight we're going to be looking um, at the lives of the apostles and seek to learn from what we see of god's hand on their lives what can we what can we learn from the lives of the apostles what can we learn from the first church, and what is God revealing to us from his word? We are all imitators. We constantly 
from the time we are born to the present day until the day we die, constantly learning and modeling what we see from other people around us. Think about that. From the time we're little kids to the time we're grown-ups and to the time that we're dead, we're constantly learning and imitating people. What we learn from our parents, our grandparents, teachers, pastors, friends, coaches, co-workers, TV, internet, you name it. We are constantly gathering information from people. And in one, one form or another, we are imitating what we're seeing. I want you to think about it for a moment. Who is influencing you and in what way, good or bad? Who are you learning from and who's learning from you? As believers, followers of Christ, we have to constantly be aware of who we are learning from. As we will look at tonight, God has purposely put men into the story of redemption like the apostles for this very reason, so that we can learn from them and imitate them. Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. John MacArthur says, since all believers are imperfect, they need examples of less imperfect people who know how to deal with imperfection and who can model the process of pursuing the goal of Christ-likeness. We need people in our lives that are going to constantly be pointing us to Jesus. And there has to be no mistake on God's part that he has started this pattern of imitation, starting with Jesus and then the apostles and then to us. They imitated what they saw in Jesus. We need to do the same. In Acts 2, we will see the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. The apostles were all together in one place, devout men from every nation coming together and they were amazed because they heard the gospel being preached in their own native tongue. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifts up his voice and begins to preach the gospel, calling men and women to repent and be baptized. And there, Peter, after Peter's sermon, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all that had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I picked this Acts 2 uh, chapter and, and, and really just paraphrased it because I want it to be fresh in our minds as we walk through the next few points. Not only do we see the apostles and their example in this, this section of Scripture, but all through the New Testament we have their example that they've laid down for us to follow. The first example I want us to see is they continually relied on the Holy Spirit. Back in Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the apostles, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
So Jesus tells them that through the outpouring of his spirit, through them and the church, the gospel would spread all over the world. For years, these men had been disciples of Jesus, following him everywhere he went, watching everything he was doing. And in Acts 1.8, he is going to be with the Father. But Jesus has already prepared them and talked to them about the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at John 16. And I want to read verses 4 through 14. John 16, starting in verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus had prepared them now to rely on the Spirit's leading. In just one chapter of Acts, Acts 2, we see Peter reference the Holy Spirit seven times. When we read through the rest of the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we see how dependent these men were on the Holy Spirit to work in them and through them. They knew the only way the gospel would spread, the only way they would grow in Christ's likeness, the only way they would make war on their flesh, the only way they could truly serve, the only way they could make it through times of suffering, the only way they could truly pray, And walk in continual repentance was to continually rely on the Holy Spirit's leading. We must follow their example. Second example I want us to look at is their commitment to the teaching and preaching of the gospel. These men were fixed and focused on the gospel and they were leading others to believe and leading others to do the same. Matthew 28, 18, 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We talked about this earlier this week. Our salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. If that were the case, we would already be out of here the very second we placed our trust and faith in Christ. We have been commanded, all of us, all of us have been commanded to make disciples and preach the gospel. All of us. We must follow this example. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. 
Turn with me now to Acts 8. Acts 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied to him. And who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? The Philip, then Philip opened his mouth and be, beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here it is, water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azantis. And he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The Spirit was leading Philip. And he knew his sole purpose as a child of God was to tell people about Christ everywhere he was led to go. No matter what situation he was in, he was continually pointing people to Jesus. Philip, Peter, Paul, all of these guys knew their purpose. And it was to point people to Jesus. Believers, hear me. There is no other purpose in your life that supersedes our purpose to tell others about Jesus. No other purpose. There's no job. There's no task at hand. There's nothing that we can attain that supersedes this purpose of proclaiming the gospel. And as I leave this week, that's one thing I pray that sticks not only in your mind, but in your heart. Preach that to yourself. Nothing else matters but the platforms that God gives us to preach the gospel. We have spent most of our time together this week looking at our own personal sin and our own personal need for the gospel. This next example we see from the apostles is the biggest, one of the biggest needs we have as a church and that is the need for accountability. This, for me, has been one of the biggest areas that God has used to grow me. For me, I need this. We need this. We need each other. We need believers in our lives that love us enough to speak truth to us, 
when they see things in our life that are not lining up with what Jesus has, has called us to, we all have blind spots. We all struggle with sin and we need people in our lives that will help us. And we need to be that for others. I've had many people in my life through the years play this role in my life. And at many times through difficult but loving conversations, God has used it to show me my sin. Sin that I didn't even know that was, it was there. This is why God has given us the church. We were created to live in community with other believers. This is a quote from Pastor John Piper. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that the only people who need to be called to account are those who have one foot in sin already. We think that if a person is doing well, the only thing that they, that, that they, that they need is either to be praised or perhaps they need nothing of us at all. We tend to think of exhortations and promptings and urgings and warnings as things you use only for the wayward. I say that's a mistake because experience in Scripture teaches us that every believer needs regular exhortations and challenges and awakening calls and stirrings and inspiration and warnings and cautions. Yesterday morning, I was on the phone with a friend in the Los Angeles area. And he was stunned again by another well-known pastor who, after 31 years of, of ministry, at the age of 61, was exposed to sexual misconduct. My friend said, John, I don't, think it would have, I don't think it would have happened if he was in a small group of men who held him more closely accountable. But we Americans, we humans, do not think, do not like people pressing in our soul space. And we, are, and we are all the more hesitant to tread in when things are going well. But that is not the biblical approach. The biblical writers do not get into people's lives only when things are going, when, only when things are not going well. They, and they exhort them to urge them and to stir them to keep on doing well and to do better. We need each other. We need to be this for one another. We need to love each other enough to speak truth and to encourage one another. We need to be the church for one another. I need people in my life that watch these blind spots. Because there's a lot of times, like we talked about, the biggest person, the person in our lives that has lied to us the most through our lifetime is us. I have lied to myself the most. And that's a sobering thought. But God has given us the church. He has given us the ability to operate in community and have people watch each other's backs, watch each other's lives. I've had friends in my life watching my, my life, and I've been watching theirs for many years, and it's, it's, it's sharpened us. It's made us more alert. It's made us more aware of who we are in Christ. And if they see me being lazy and complacent, you better believe they're going to call me out on it. And I need that. I desire that. And like I said, a lot, of, a lot of times it's a difficult conversation, but it's a needed conversation. Are people always right when they try to speak into another person's life? No. But we need to be humble enough to at least hear people out. And before we speak back, 
harsh words, if we don't agree with what they're saying, take it to the Lord. Ask Him. Ask God. Ask Jesus. He'll let you know if it's okay or not to trust what they're saying. And if it's not, then you have another conversation. And you sharpen each other even more. We can't be defensive when people are trying to love on us. I know I've been there too many times. Guy comes to me and says, man, I've, I've just seen this. I'm worried about this. And I get mad. And I walk away mad. But all that guy was trying to do was love on me. So I get convicted and I have to come back. We restore fellowship and we talk through what they've seen. But most of the time, if, if a guy's watching the blind spots in my life and he's speaking to me, nine times out of ten, he's dead on. Because we know each other. We operate in, in, a, in a community enough and often enough that they know if I'm, if I'm out of line, if I'm not where I need to be. And I need that. We need that. A quote from Paul Tripp. First John teaches us that one of the most reliable indicators of our love for God is the quality of our love for our neighbor. The foundation of the second great commandment is the first great commandment. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you do not first love God above all else. Our willingness to gossip, to live in anger, and to trim the truth reveals something deeper than a lack of love for God. We no longer serve as ambassadors in relationships, but we use them for our own purposes. They become places where our needs can be met. Then, because we are afraid to lose what we crave, we live in silence as our neighbors step outside of God's boundaries. Love for God is the only reliable foundation for a ministry of truth speaking. Any other motivation distorts the process. We cannot come in anger, frustration, or a spirit of vengeance. We come because we love God, and we speak on his behalf to someone who may be wandering away. Confrontation has little to do with us. It is all about the Lord, motiva motivated by a desire to draw people back into a close, obedient, and loving communion with him. That's what accountability is for. That's what he's given us each other for. That's what he's given us the church for, to sharpen each other, to watch each other. We need to be that for each other. We need each other. As a way of reflection tonight, I want us to really spend some time while I'm praying going through these questions in our minds. As a way of reflection, I want us to ask ourselves, who or what is influencing us? And, and think about that. Your normal average day, your normal average night, average week. What in your life is influencing us? Who's influencing you and who are you influencing? We don't always notice it, but whatever goes in here or whatever company we keep, it influences us. 
the company you keep and the people that speak into your life, it plays a major role in your life. That's why I want to surround myself with people that are going to speak truth to me. Who is influencing you? Are we being the person that Christ has called us to be so others can imitate our walks? Think about our lives as we looked at the apostles' lives tonight. Is it a life that can be imitated? Or are you like, nope, don't imitate me. Don't copy me. Do we speak truth to others? And do we have brothers and sisters that speak truth to us? I'm going to spend a few minutes and I want you to just think about those things, reflect on those things. And then I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to have Herbert come before us. Let's pray. Lord, as I come to you now again, um, speaking to you, my, my good Father, my gracious Father, Lord, I, I do believe with all my heart it's, it's been a really good week. I know I've been encouraged. I've been challenged. Father, even as I have looked into your word and spoken from your word and Father, I'm, I'm speaking and I'm teaching and preaching to myself. And Father, there, there are things that this week you've shown me and things you've kicked my butt over. Lies that I've been telling myself that you've revealed to me. Places of complacency and laziness that have crept in. Father, you show me these things and you show us these things because you love us. Just like I, I want to care and nurture my, my boys, you want to do the same for us. And in the same way, we want to guide and discipline our, our kids. You guide and discipline us. And Father, I, I know from conversations that I've had that you have been revealing truth to us this week and you've been showing us, Father, blind spots in our lives. Father, I, all I desire is for my, is for my brothers and sisters to to love you, to seek you, and to point others to you. That's all I really care about in their lives, my life, is what we do with the gospel. I don't care what we do professionally. I don't care what we do academically. 
I don't care what kind of status we climb to in this life. The only thing I care about, Father, is that we will be serious about our pursuit of you. Be serious about our pursuit of holiness. Be serious about our war against sin. Be serious about preaching the gospel to ourselves. Be serious about preaching the gospel to each other. Be serious about accountability. Father, you have commanded us to go and make disciples. Are we being obedient to that? Are we being obedient to that from the people we see every day? Are we being obedient to make disciples in our homes with our kids, with our husbands and wives, our friends, our family? That's a simple yes or no question, Father. And I pray your Holy Spirit would just continue to convict us, Father, and to challenge us, guide us. Father, I praise you for the gospel. I thank you, Father, that I was once trapped in sin. I was trapped in darkness. But, Father, you have brought me into your glorious light. I am now your child. And there are brothers and sisters in here with me tonight that can celebrate that. They can sing your praises, Father, because they know it's a reality in their life. But, Father, there are some of us in here tonight that they can't praise you. Because they don't truly know you. And Father, I pray that that would change tonight. I pray that the gospel would do its work in penetrating hearts and minds tonight. And Lord, I I thank you again. Father, I praise you for bringing me here this week. I thank you for Theresa Baptist loving on me and my family. I thank you for the partnership that I have in the gospel with this church. And pray I continue to have to the end of my days. I thank you for the partnership and the gospel that I have with this church through Snowbird. Holy Spirit, please speak to us tonight. God, speak to us. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Four seventeen, Jesus is tenderly calling.
If y'all would, please just join hands across the aisle. We are going to sing the Bond of Love, 387. (laughs) Yeah. 